0: I think that we think we're supposed to know everything. Many people are called multiple times throughout their life to start new things and reinvent themselves. There's no way to do that without feeling like you don't know what you're doing.
1: I'm lifting the curtain to reveal it all to you in an effort to help put you in a position of abundance so great that you can then be as generous as possible. So let's lock arms and let's get started. And we're back.
0: Hey, everyone. We are back with another He Said, She Said. And I'm sure that you have seen this everywhere at this point, that Chris and I are a part of the OwnIt64.com challenge. Yes. With Dean Graciosi and Tony Robbins. And And a a million
1: (laughs) other epic human beings. And a million other epic
0: human beings who are our favorite people who have, have actually been the people who have shifted us. I really want to point that out. Tony Robbins got me through two of the biggest blocks of my entire life. I still have the book that I wrote it out at UPW. And then Brendan Bouchard, who is also a speaker for ownit64.com, was the person who we learned from Mm -hmm. online that helped us learn how to build online courses, which you guys are absolutely going to love this challenge. five days. What we want you to do is to go and text this. So ownit64.com, text ownit64.com to five of your friends to join the challenge with you for accountability. And this rolls into what we're talking about today because we are talking about... Each of us are sharing our very deep, three scary things that Chris and I had to work through personally in order to do anything that we're doing now. So three limiting beliefs that we each have in order to be where we're at right now. Well, is,
1: yeah, it's it's three limiting beliefs that we've each had to overcome mm-hmm. to get to where we are today. And the hardest dang part about any journey, I think, is getting through the limiting beliefs. So I was talking to someone the other day and they're like, dude, strategy is everywhere. Like yeah, strategy is online. You can Google us. it. It's free. It's in books. It's in podcast. Strategy I know what to do. is everywhere. <laughs> But what you stops what to do. you from doing what you know what you need to do mm-hmm. is your limiting beliefs. You're scared of this. You're scared of that. You don't feel worthy. You don't feel, feel overwhelmed. Right, all these crazy things. So I had my few that I had to bust through. You had your few that you had to bust through. And, and we're going to kind of share those today in hopes that people can find themselves one of their limiting beliefs in our story, in, in our limiting beliefs that we had to overcome in order to get to where we are today. Or maybe you don't find yourself in one of ours, but maybe one of ours makes you realize what one of yours is. Mm-hmm. and then when we talk about how we got through it, maybe that helps you get through yours. So, okay, scary stuff. You want to go first or should I?
0: I can go first. So, we're going to kind of start in order with our baseline of, of what we started with, like what the, like what my main one was that was stopping me when I first started doing this work. So, for me, it was truly just being so scared. It was, I have anxiety. I have panic attacks. So, I really believed that because I had these terror, they weren't just little panic attacks. They were full on. I thought I was having a heart attack. I would start to black out. I would feel like I was falling over. Like it was, Full-on, like, overwhelm when I would get in front of people and have to talk at work, when I would read in front of people. So this started um, in seventh grade when I would get called on to read. I couldn't even breathe. So my... Mom actually had to talk to my teachers like, hey, if you could not call on her because she gets panic attacks really bad, we don't know what's going on. And then I was homeschooled through high school. So then it got even worse because I didn't have to face them. And then it got progressively worse in my 20s. I started drinking a lot more to start to over, like, start to not feel that. And what ended up happening is that it started happening even in social situations. So before, um, when I met Chris, before Chris and I would even go out, if we would go out to dinner with a bunch of couples, it got so bad that I would have to drink a bunch just to not feel awkward in front of people or not to have panic attacks. That's
1: real anxiety.
0: So I would be drinking like sometimes two to four drinks before we, we would even go out with people. And then I would drink all night just to have some sort of freedom in my body that I would not you know, feel these panic attacks. So I was like, I can't live like this. I can't be drinking all the time, like <laughs> for every situation. So I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't applying for any jobs. I was so afraid that, you know, I would have these panic attacks. I was so nervous. Like my life got smaller and smaller and smaller because I allowed my fear to get bigger and bigger.
1: Wow. I actually literally remember those days and to see how far you've come, to see how you deal with anxiety. And by the way, sometimes these things don't go away. You learn how to control them, right? Because I know the anxiety still comes up for you. And that anxiety is still a thing. I just watch you handle it like a boss now. You've got the tools now. You've you've got the ability to say, oh, I recognize that and I'm squashing it and I'm moving forward anyways without some of the old coping mechanisms. I had
0: to face it over and over and over again. I had to go to safe places where I could practice what it would feel like if I did the thing, even with my fear. So- meaning, you know, Chris, I went to multiple doctor's appointments and got a lot of medication for it. And yep. I, re- I remember I, so you guys, I was kind of in this like catch 22 because the medication was working a little bit. Um, And I they actually put me on blood pressure meds, I believe it was that lowers your heart rate. Um, And I was on a walk with you. I don't know if you even remember this, but I was on a walk with you and I was like, I can't even like, I can't even breathe because mm-hmm. my heart rate won't. So it won't low. allow me to get my heart rate up. Yep. And um, I was like, "Oh my god, I have to choose between like working out and w- like walking." Like beta blockers, or something like it that, was beta blockers. Yeah. yeah, that's what it was. Um, or you know, trying to learn a different way of coping with this. I'm not saying that some people don't need medication. It can absolutely help, but it didn't help me for what I needed to do. I needed to face it, and I needed to put myself in situations where I could practice overcoming it and you guys I still have it. Like I still have to overcome it. I just know like I haven't died yet and sometimes that's what I have to say to myself. So definitely if you are working through that the story is much longer than that but you can still do the things with your fear and anxiety. You just have to actually do them and let it be okay even if the worst case scenario happens. Um and call it out. Like I just started calling out the elephant in the room. I would say, "Hey, you know what? I'm doing this, but or I'm speaking on the stage, but just so you guys know, I am so nervous right now. Um, this is one of the scariest things I've ever done, but here I am, and I'm gonna yeah. go for it. So and that just gave me this permission slip to like, you know, pass out on stage if I needed to, for real.
1: I think this' to help other people. What I watched you do, just outside looking in, is I watched you remove the expectation that it had to feel good, or I watched you remove the expectation that you were going to do it anxiety-free. And when you removed that expectation and the new expectation was, oh, I'm going to do this with anxiety. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do this with these nerves. Then I watch you be able to move forward because now you don't have this false expectation.
0: I don't, you know, when I I say that, I don't think people grasp how bad it was. And the only reason I'm telling you this is because if this is you, you can still do it. I didn't even go on stages where I spoke at first because I just wanted to like get in front of people without even having to speak. So, like, even just standing in front of people, like, you guys, I would do a fitness competition and I would not like, you don't have to speak in those. (laughs) I wouldn't even remember being on stage before I would step out. I was like, I think I'm going down. Like, I think I'm going to pass out. Like, that's how close it felt because I would be so worked up and I couldn't breathe that I was like, just go do it. Like, even if you fall over, big deal. So they peel you off the stage and pull you. You're not dead. Like, been just go do the stage it. I've been
1: with you where we're both waiting to go on stage to speak in front of, you know, thousands of people. And, mm-hmm. and you're having these moments and you're talking out loud. You're processing through and I'm talking to you too. And you're like, all right, worst case scenario. If I just pass out on the, the stage, Chris, pick me up and we'll make a joke about it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> for real. I've, I've said that. Like, yep. probably not that long ago because it comes in waves. And it's really funny. Um, the other day, I just spoke with Lindsay at a small event. And um, I was out of practice. I haven't spoke on a stage for a year. I was so dizzy. I had to grab the podium. And I told Lindsay, I was wow. just like, I almost passed out up there. I said, I'm out of practice. I didn't use my tools. I was shallow breathing. I wasn't ready for it. I didn't mentally prep the way that I normally do. Um, and I was like, okay, lesson learned. And it was totally cool. And I, I didn't get into my headspace of, oh my God, it's back. Yeah. Oh no, it's taking over again. I was like, okay, how can you support yourself better next time?
1: We could end right there. And that is enough inspiration for people to move forward no matter what what their limiting belief is. So I'll share one of the biggest ones that I had to overcome. And mine was fear of comparison. Mm. Right? So, and in specific, I remember this when I wanted my own brand to come out, right? I was in the background helping you build yours. I was like, you know, I'm bored. I want my brand to come out. And I, I had the domain for the love of money, for Mm -hmm. the podcast. I had it for a year and I was just sitting on it. I spent $18,000 on a domain name. And and your favorite joke was, hey, Chris, remember when you spent 18 grand on a domain name? You ever gonna do anything with it? (laughs) Right? And that shows you like how committed I was to doing it. Yet I just sat on it Mm -hmm. and it sat on the back burner. And I I made everything else a priority instead of starting my own brand, even though I wanted to. And it was because of the fear of comparison, Mm -hmm. right? So to frame the comparison, I was afraid of Lori's brand was already out there with a big podcast, already crushing it. And I was afraid that as her husband, I may not do as well. Mm. And then my, all my friends had great brands and great podcasts. Like Lewis Howes, literally one of the kings of podcasting. Um, he was out there with his brand thriving and his podcast killing it. So I was afraid to compare myself mm. to his success. And you know, the list went on and on. So here's one of the traps. When you surround yourself with people who will up-level you, it can also create this fear of comparison. And you have to make sure that you step through that fear and you do it anyways, and that you don't compare yourself to other people, but you compare yourself to your own expectations. It's okay to say, this friend is way up here on level 10. This friend is way up here on level eight. And my expectation is to take that first step on level one and then get to level two as soon as I can and level three as soon as I can. But you focus on that first step. Instead of comparing yourself to everyone else who is way further in their journey. And it was a crippling fear of comparison that made me just sit on it forever. And here's where it came from. When I was a kid, I remember I was good at sports, but not as good as my friends, Hmm. right? So I'd compare myself to them and I felt bad about that. And I remember I was one of the kind of popular kids, but not the most popular kid. So I'd compare myself to my friends and not feel good enough. So this feeling of, not good enoughness that so many people struggle with carried over into my adult life, I realized. And I was so afraid that I was going to put my brand out there. I was going to put my podcast out there. I was going to put my work out there. And it wasn't going to be as good as my peers or in this case, even my wife. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm, So good. Um, So number two is... My number two is I have a fear around money and I'm not worth it. So I can't charge what i want like i didn't understand my worth so um and i i couldn't charge what i wanted so for me this translated oh this was huge so a lot of this is underlying in in like judgment and, and fear also so for me it was if i charge that maybe someone's going to judge my character and think i'm not number one not worth like worthy enough to charge that like i'm you know i don't have the expertise to charge that Um, and also they're going to judge my character and say that I'm just in it for the money. And that would be devastating to me or to tell me that, you know, that's highway robbery or, oh my God, you're crazy. I can't believe you're trying to charge people that much. That was my worst fear. And I had to really wrap my head around, um getting what I needed to be compensated for uh, and how charging more actually called me into a higher version of myself. And it made me grow. It made me step into saying, yes, I can absolutely provide that worth and then some. Um, It was one of the Biggest learning lessons of my life is learning to, uh, when I knew I was charging too little, when I was resentful. So if anybody's feeling resentful of their clients, resentful of how much time they're spending without getting compensated for it, that means that you're actually not charging your worth. Mm-hmm. So there's a misalignment in your life and in your body with what you are charging, and until you get the the resentment out, you're not charging enough for what you do, and it's not calling you into the highest version of yourself. And you're probably disappointing yourself right now by how you're also showing up because you're not charging enough. Because you're like, why do I? I'm, you know, I. I'm going to show up unrested. I went drinking last night. I, um, you know, I might be a few minutes late because you're not charging enough. Mm-hmm. When you charge what you're worth, trust me, you're not going to be late for that appointment because that person won't stay with you. People who pay more expect more. So it makes you show up.
1: Wow. that is uh, So many people struggle with this fear of not charging their worth or they're not worthy to charge X, Y, or Z for their product. And I really think it comes from that fear of someone saying that we're a scam artist or the fear of someone saying, "Oh, yeah. I bought that and it didn't work. Yes. Right? So then what do you so do? Scary. You underprice it so that you have an excuse or an escape route in case it's not as good as you're oh, hoping my God. it is. We
0: all do that. We all do We've it. It's crazy. We've all done it. Yep. Uh-huh.
1: Okay. So my number two was a fear of failure. Mm. So we, I would set all of these lofty sales goals and lofty revenue goals. and I was always afraid that what if, I, what if we give our best effort and we don't hit them? If we don't hit these lofty sales goals, these lofty uh, revenue goals, then I'm not going to be good enough in other people's eyes to teach them how to do the same thing. And here's the, the, the punchline. Here's the irony. I don't think we've ever hit a sales goal that we've set for ourselves. Um, I guess recently we have with some of our programs, but let's say 9 out of 10 times when we launch a program, when we launch a podcast, when we launch anything, we don't hit the sales goals that we set for ourselves. And I guess it took a few times of missing them and then missing them again and then missing them again to realize, number one, it was still worth doing. Number two, we still did a good job. Number three, you can still be an inspiration to other people that wish they had your current results instead of thinking you have to hit something far loftier before you have any value. And that really mm-hmm. all just comes back to where are you determining your value comes from? Mm-hmm. Does your value come from the things you can offer to the people that need it? Or does your value come from doing something that is so rare and extraordinary that only you know, the, the most elite would find you valuable?
0: Yeah. And we're comparing ourselves to people who, here's what you have to realize. we, When we did that, we compare ourselves to people who only like do one thing. And that's their focus. And maybe they've done it for years. And you and I like to do a lot of things. Yep. And so our focus will never just be one thing. That's not actually who we are. Like just one. Like just one thing. And a lot of times, what we were doing is comparing ourselves to a person who only does X and they have this team and they've been dialed in and it's been 10 years or, you know, six years or whatever focused on this one thing. So you also have to take into consideration who are you comparing yourself to and would you be okay? If you just did that one thing, Mm -hmm. built that team for the one thing, focused in on that one thing and only did that. So those are the things that you have to take into consideration because when you and I ask ourselves that question, we're like, no, we actually don't want to do that one thing. So we have to be okay with a result that is not equal to theirs.
1: Well, even more juvenile than that. Here's what I do now because I'm just addicted to huge lofty goals. I see someone else do it and I think, well, if they can do that, then I can do 90% of that. So I take this goal, this big lofty goal, and I cut it in half and I say... Am I going to be okay if we hit half of this goal? Uh, like literally, would that be worth doing this launch? Would it be worth creating this program? Would it be worth doing whatever? And if the answer is yes, then now I've got my floor. Mm-hmm. So I've got my acceptable goal. And then I've got my... I'm aiming for my lofty goal. And the, it's good because we always kind of end up somewhere in the middle of those two things. Mm-hmm. And it makes... It's reframed what I think is worth building and not worth building, right? And it's reframed. It's, it's brought me down to reality mm-hmm. a little bit. So I stopped having these massive hangover expectations from these pie-in-the-sky goals that I get my my mindset on.
0: Yeah, because ultimately, you guys are probably doing really well, just like we were doing really well. And so what happens is you also don't want to take away from the beautiful goal that you just... The beautiful things that you just hit and maybe people that you've brought into your network. Like It's really like, okay, well, this is the result. How can I change it later? But how can I also be really present with what is and be so grateful for who showed up?
1: Yeah, if there's a punchline there just to put a bow on mine, It's okay to dream big, but it's also okay to not be the best or to not hit the loftiest goals. Yep,
0: totally. And that just takes, it takes so much time. And I think to even be in this business and to be an entrepreneur and to, you know, put yourself out there and create courses and do all the things. You have to have grace with yourself or you're going to be miserable yep. because this can be fun. Like yeah. just like our last podcast, we know that that hit so hard on you guys because um, you, it was probably one of our most shared podcasts recently is about having more fun in your life. So a way that you can have more fun is by celebrating these wins no matter what, like, yeah, you may, might not have hit it, but what did you get? What did happen from it? So my number three, Um, You know, this is a lot of them, but it's all in one. It's kind of all encompasses one feeling. It's judgment. It's fear of people calling me a fraud. It's sharing my story and worrying about how my story will impact the people who are close in my life. So fear of sharing my story—that um, you know, maybe my family will say it didn't happen that way, or they'll say, "Oh my gosh, I can't. I'm so embarrassed that you shared that um, about about us." Or you know, just people being. And I know that you guys know this because you guys have reached out to me. Like, how did you share your story without your family getting upset? How do you do this? How do I? You know, I have a story that might impact other people, and it, it's a dance and. Um, you can't necessarily just be like, yeah, I'm going to go for it and think my family's going to be great. Um, I just had a lot of fear with everyone sharing my story and, you know, right down to with my family being upset with me. And that did happen, by the way. And there were a lot of conversations around, um, you know, working through that and pre-conversations before my book came out. And it, was, it wasn't it was great. Um, but now it's great. We've done a lot of work. We've done a lot of personal work. And then there's still stuff that you choose to just kind of like, maybe it didn't end the way that you want. Um, but as far as like, even, you know, judgment over what you're doing or maybe you're a beginner. Like you guys, I feel like a fraud all of the time right now. And I think that we use the word fraud when we just feel new and when we're just in a lot of spaces that we don't understand yet. And that's not a fraud. That's called a beginner. That's called being super brave. That is called being courageous. So you need to stop saying, I feel like a fraud or I'm scared people are going to think I'm a fraud. And you can be like, yeah, if someone says like, who the heck are you? Why are you doing that? Be like, Well, yes, I'm a beginner and I'm passionate about it. Or yes, I'm a beginner and this is what I'm learning and this is the new direction I'm going in and this is a part of my calling. So I think that we think we're supposed to know everything. And Chris, like... You're supposed to reinvent, not supposed to, but people are. many people are called multiple times throughout their life to start new things and reinvent themselves. There's no way to do that without feeling like you don't know what you're doing.
1: Honey, I just had this conversation with a coaching client right before you and I recorded this. You don't know this, but I was just talking to this guy and they actually referenced you and they said, well, how come Lori doesn't do fitness anymore? And I'm like, because she just moved on in her interests. It doesn't mean that she moved on anything better. It doesn't mean that she moved on to anything greater. it just means that our chap our interests change and our chapters turn and if your If your chapters aren't turning in your life, then I bet deep down you're pretty unhappy. We are meant to start new things. Mm-hmm. we are meant to have new chapters, we are meant to feel like beginners, we are meant to take on the rush of scary things, mm-hmm. otherwise life is mundane, and we become unhappy
0: you know and in- Uh, Now, fitness could be a huge career for me if I would have focused in on that. And I think what... Not I think. This is what happened in the beginning. I And you guys, when I say this, this is just my journey. So I actually think fitness is one of the most brilliant like businesses ever possible. But it was the beginning of my journey. And I want to tell you why. It's because in the beginning, the only thing that I could fall back on because I didn't have the education and I didn't think that I was going to learn how to do anything else and it was the only thing I knew how to do was fitness. So I literally was like, okay, if this is the only thing I know how to do and the only thing I don't feel, you know, like maybe I only feel like a 90% fraud instead of a 100% fraud. So I went so hard in the thing that felt the safest to me, and then what ended up happening is that I don't know if I was ever super happy in actually doing the fitness portion as a career. Fitness really to me was like a beautiful like hobby. It was a beautiful release for me. And because it was the only thing I believed that I was good at, I made it my career. And um, it, I don't know if it was ever actually meant to be my career, to be totally honest with you. And I'm so grateful for that chapter. But sometimes that's what we do. And then we get stuck in the thing that could be a beautiful, freaking crazy, monumental, giant career for other people, but maybe it's not the one you were meant to be. And maybe it was the one your parents, you know, would be most proud of you being a doctor or being a dentist or, you know, going and, and taking over the family business. And sometimes we can get stuck in those things. And it's like it, we'll be called into a pivot and we'll ignore it because we're afraid to leave the thing that we're good at because we don't want to be a beginner again.
1: So my third big looming belief that I had to overcome when I was starting my brand was the fear of change. And some people call this a fear of success. But what they really mean is, hey, I've got a, a good life right now. And I know I'm probably capable of a great life, but I'm really afraid of the things that come along with this pursuit of a great life. Like I'm afraid that if I have a podcast that takes off, now I'm also out there that much more for judgment right for people to say nasty things or mm-hmm. pass judgment on me or on it or what people really mean when they say i'm afraid of success when they say i'm afraid of change is hey i've got a pretty lazy schedule right now and i know this is going to require extra work and i don't know if i want to give up this lazy schedule to go from good mm-hmm. to great um looking back on it i remember i was also afraid of like um well laziness in my schedule cuz everything was good do you remember like mm-hmm. my schedule was good my fitness was good. My, our relationship was good. Our finances were good. But none of it was great. And you were on the rocket ship to great. You were doing all the things it took to be great. And I knew that you were going to be way up here and great. And I was going to be down here just kind of hanging out and good. And that was going to be too big of a gap between the two of us. And So I knew I had to do the, the thing that would also bring me to great. Mm-hmm. But man, good was just comfortable and doing the things it took to be great. They were scary. They were intimidating. They were inconvenient. They were, I didn't want to put myself out mm-hmm. to do what it took to go from good to great. And so you know, some people call that fear of success. And the fear of success is, oh my gosh, if this actually works, I'm going to be busier. Oh my gosh, if this actually works, I'm going to have obligations. Oh my God, if this actually works, I'm going to be in a spotlight for, for people mm-hmm. to, to shit on. Yep. And what they're really saying is, hey, I'm kind of afraid of changing what I have right now. Yep. Now, here's the punchline. I hope everyone hears this. Looking back, what I thought was good, I would not even want that life now. Life is so much greater now that I've done the things, right? Mm -hmm. And so to everyone listening, if you're like, well, I'm kind of afraid of changing what I have right now because it's good. I know it's not great. I know it's not what I'm capable of, but it's good enough. I look back on what I thought was good and I would not want that life. I was Mm -hmm. missing fulfillment. I was missing action. I was missing purpose. I was missing accolades. I was missing challenge. Mm-hmm. So I freaking love what I have now exponentially more than what I thought I had when things were were good. And I I had to overcome that limiting belief of, well, if I actually do this, life might change.
0: Hmm. Oh man, it's so good. And I, I couldn't agree more. I, you know, I I still have so many days where I'm really resistant and fearful of like, oh my God, if this is really successful, then I'm really gonna be out there and and what does that mean? And it's like, What does that mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I can... You can handle it. And, you know... I just, I have to share it because I I could not do what I'm doing without the beliefs that I'm supported. Like whether you believe in energy or God or universe, like I really believe that, you know, God supports Chris and I because mm-hmm. we ask for it and we pray for it and we lean into it and we offer it up. And like, our, we offer our fears up, we surrender. And it's, it's just like, you have to believe something in something greater than you to do big things things in the world. And otherwise, you do go into that fear and you think that people or things can take you down. And and if you if you believe that, that is going to be a scary place.
1: You know, a, a lot of the five-day training that Tony and Dean and, you know, everyone's putting on uh, as this giant act of, of generosity, a lot of the five-day training is strat, like strategic things. Yes. How to take your message, how to package it digitally, how to get it out to people that need it, how to sell it. It's very strategic in the training, which is good. But also a lot of it is focused on how do you take that first step? How do you overcome these fears like you and I had to, these six fears that you and I just listed? How do you not care what other people are going to say? How do you not care what other people are going to judge? How do you not care if you screw up? How do you not care? you know, Whatever your fear is, fill in the blank. So much of this five-day challenge is going to be focused on that. And nobody busts that better than Tony. Like he's done it for us two very specific times oh, yeah. in our life. And nobody does that better than Dean. And nobody does that better than some of the lineup that, you know, Trent Shelton that's speaking and, and Jenna Kutcher and, and everybody else. Jamie Lima,
0: Shaleen yes. Johnson, Brenda Bouchard.
1: And some of those people like Brendan and Shaleen and, um, and so many other people, they're great at strategy, mm-hmm. right? So this is going to be the perfect mix between let's bust through your bullshit and let's give you a strategic path for you to end the five-day training with, hey, here's what I could package. Here's how I could package it. Here's how I could get it out to the world and get a few dollars in return while I change lives. Mm -hmm. That's what this whole five-day challenge is about. And that's why it's free so that everybody has a shot at actually doing this. Once and for all, the knowledge and the breakthroughs are packaged in a, a way that's free. And so if you hear us busting through our limiting beliefs and you say, oh, I had that one, Or, oh, I've got one that's similar. Even just to get out of your own way. Even if you end up not, you know, packaging your your expertise and selling it to the world. Even if it's just to live a better life with less fear. Go sign up for the OwnIt64.com challenge. Invest those five evenings of live training. It's going to change your relationships. It's going to change your self-confidence. It might change your fitness. It's going to change so many things on how you show up in life. And then maybe it might also change your bank account
0: the craziest part is even if you only got one thing from it, we say that all the time when we would go to the personal, like personal development events. And when you read, when you guys read books, when you listen to podcasts, sometimes you're like, oh, I didn't get as much out of it as, as I wanted. What you don't understand is you're just collecting all of these little moments and these tools of one thing. If you just get one thing that shifts you 1%, do you know how much closer to your goal that you'll be in a year? So we really underestimate what one little shift in our system or our mindset and our thinking will do. And it's all of these collections, right? It's these collections of these moments and these thoughts and these new ways of thinking and these tools that are ultimately going to change your life.
1: You know, I call them seeds. People think, oh, if I get the seed, it has to pay dividends right away this week or right away this month. And they're wrong. If you get one of those seeds that Lori's talking about and it just gets planted in you, guess what? That grows a crop this year, and then it grows a crop next year, and it grows a crop the year after that. And, a year, and guess what? The crops get bigger and greener and better and more valuable. These are seeds that pay dividends forever. So, take this act of generosity. I don't think this group of individuals will ever be pulled together again for this level of training for free, and to be able to coordinate their schedules at the same time like this ever again. And so, take this opportunity to go to ownit64.com, sign up yourself. And then invite five friends, send them the ownit64.com link so that they can hold you accountable and you can hold them accountable. Because I'll tell you, there's nothing more lonely than all of a sudden changing and transcending yourself and realizing that nobody did alongside of you.
0: Yeah, it's super easy. And if you guys don't have five people you want to text it to, you can literally text it to just one person and be like, hey, I'm doing this challenge. I really want you to do it with me. We can talk about it. We can hold each other accountable. So you guys, we're so grateful for you
1: ownit64.com. We will see you on the training. It starts next week. I cannot wait to watch your lives change. As a matter of fact, start DMing us and let us know what your limiting belief is and what you're going to bust through during this training.
0: Yes. Let us know if you signed up. I want to share it. Okay, you guys. Until next time, we will see you next week.
1: Grateful.